So my friends, I feel nothing but joy in my heart today for this moment of being in worship, for this time of being fed together at Christ's table, for this season in the church where we celebrate and reflect on all that Jesus has done in our midst over the many decades that we have been here, for this chance to dream together for the future of Rosedale and Christ's kingdom and how we each financially and with our time, can contribute to the ministry of Jesus Christ here on this corner of Hubbard and West Chicago. For this month, we are scattering seeds of joy and focusing on four areas that reflect our identity as a congregation and those fields, if you will, of the soil that we tend and cultivate through the gifts of our financial stewardship and the work of our hands. Today, we are celebrating our identity as a worshiping community and all that goes along with that. Interesting thing about the word worship is that it's both a noun and a verb, a thing and an action. And much of what you see from the pie chart in your bulletin today represents the tangibles of worship, those actual physical things that we use to facilitate worship in this space whether it be pastors and staff, items for communion, sheet music for the choir, the list goes on and you get the idea. But this morning, I would like to focus on the verb worship and the intangibles, those things that you cannot see or touch, the part of worship that requires no bulletins, no music, no flowers in the chancel, no sacred pews or stained glass windows, I want to talk about the act of worship that changes lives and transforms congregations and communities. And I'd like us all to leave this space today with one simple thought, one simple truth, one rule, so to speak, about worship, and it is this. It is not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It is not about us. Worship is all about Jesus Christ and worshiping all that he is. And the second that we begin to make worship about us, about our likes, about our dislikes, about the way worship used to be, about the way worship should be, about what's in the sanctuary, about what's not in the sanctuary, then we've lost our focus and we've removed Christ from the equation and quite frankly, we have sterilized the cross. Our scripture verse of the day today is actually one of my favorites in all of scripture, and I'd like us to say it together. It's from the book of Genesis, and it is printed in your bulletin. So let's say this verse together. And Jacob worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. One more time. And Jacob worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. So Jacob is one of the three founding fathers of our faith, as you often hear his name clumped together with that of Abraham and Isaac, his father and grandfather. And Jacob is the father of Joseph, and you know Joseph best probably as Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat Joseph. And Joseph, along with his 11 other brothers, become what are called 
the 12 tribes of Israel. So to put this one verse into context, Joseph is basically the king of Egypt, and his whole family is now living there with him, having escaped the famine that was plaguing Israel. And Jacob, Joseph's father, is nearing death. He asks his son to make a solemn promise to him that Egypt would not be his final resting place, and that someday his bones, quite literally, would be taken back to the land of Canaan in Israel. What draws me to this passage is the beauty of its simplicity. Jacob was drawing close to death. He was living in a foreign land, and all he wanted to do was to go home to Canaan, and he knew that it wouldn't happen while he was alive. So he made this request of Joseph, and Joseph said yes. So he worshiped. He worshiped God for the promise of his son. He worshiped God that he wasn't going to die alone. He worshiped God because at this point, there was nothing more for him to do. He had lived his life. He had raised his family. So he worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. He worshiped right where he was, both in body and in spirit. He needed nothing to do so. He needed no special space. He needed no music. He simply drew his heart and his mind into the presence of God and worshiped. Again, so beautiful and so simple. In a similar fashion, our reading from the book of Acts describes the worshiping community of the very first church. And again, we are seeing this picture of simplicity. They devoted themselves to learning the scriptures, to being in fellowship with one another, to breaking bread together, and to praying with and for each other. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Again, a simple picture of a worshiping community. You see, worship is our sole purpose as individuals and as a community of faith. The act of worship is an act of reverence, an act of surrender, an act of giving ourselves over in heart and mind to our creator and our sustainer. Last week in Pastor Kelly's reflection, she gave us a litany of all the things that Jesus gives us. The nutrients of love and grace, peace, forgiveness, strength, each other, the list goes on, and all wonderful and amazing gifts. He gives us so very much. And what does he want from us? What does he want in return? Just one thing, our worship. And that is the sole reason for the existence of the Christian church. Everything begins and ends with worship, and that is the whole reason for our existence as individuals as well. We have been created to worship, and Jesus says we have been created to worship in spirit and in truth. Here at Rosedale, we're so blessed with a vibrant community, diverse and active in its weekly rhythms. There is rarely a day that something isn't going on within our building where our members aren't serving or 
where, I'm sorry, where our members aren't serving in the mission fields of their lives, where an activity or program or service opportunity isn't available. And praise God for all of that. Yet we need to praise God all the more for this hour on Sunday, where we have the privilege to set aside life and to come worship in body and mind and in spirit with each other. And this, my friends, is the main reason why your pastors and staff draw a paycheck. Our priority in the long list of our job description is worship and the worship service itself. Because worship is our priority as a community of faith. Nothing else matters unless we are worshiping. Everything we do within this community is an outgrowth from what happens on Sunday mornings. As worship leaders, as your pastors, we have found something in our own lives that is so remarkable and so wonderful and so beautiful that we have dedicated our life's work to sharing that with others. We have discovered the love of our Savior Jesus Christ to be so rich and so profound that we desperately want you all to discover and feel that love too. And we have been charged to use worship as the main vehicle to assist you in your spiritual nurture and discipline. And let me tell you, that is a lot of pressure. Yet we do it with joy and with gladness and such intentionality. We look to each Sunday morning worship service with the desperation of wanting those who worship with us to know and to feel this profound love of Jesus. And oftentimes this hour on Sunday is our only opportunity to do so. We write liturgies with purposeful words. We pick hymns based on the message. We painstakingly write each sentence of our sermon in the hopes we have discerned God's words and not our own. And we do it because we love you, but mostly because we love Jesus and we want him to be glorified in all that we do and say. But we're human beings. We're not always going to get it right and we know we are not always going to please the masses, but we're not trying to please the masses, but God alone. Services will sometimes run long. Microphones will squeal and crackle. Choirs may sing off key. Hymns are sometimes unfamiliar. Sermons can be dull and boring. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when hearts and minds are focused on worshiping that, then honestly, nothing else matters because the focus of our worship is already perfect, and that is Jesus Christ and his love. And the reason for our worship has already occurred, and that is the resurrection and our subsequent freedom from sin and death. We make mistakes as worship leaders. It's going to happen. But we try to do our best to create an environment that is conducive to helping you connect with Jesus. That is our sole purpose, and there is no way that we are going to please everyone. But honestly, 
We aren't trying to please you or ourselves, but Jesus Christ. We do it for Jesus. As you have seen, our theme for this year's stewardship season is scattering seeds of joy. And what a joy it is that we have the means and the mission and the manpower to do so much scattering of seeds in all sorts of places in our lives. But the thing with seeds, they're meant to change. A seed is not meant to remain a seed, but it is destined to be something else. Perhaps a tree, a beautiful flower, a bush that becomes a home for birds or rabbits, grass that becomes a playground or a ball field. Things change. Life changes. And that is a certainty. And that is a hard certainty to face sometimes, isn't it? And we know that what we knew 20 or 30 or 40 years ago looks nothing like our surroundings now. Everything from the landscape of our communities to our images in the mirror. In the same way, seeds planted evolve and change into something else. And it must, or it has lost its purpose. And yes, even the aesthetics and rhythms of our worship have changed and are changing. Yet God and his love never changes. And it's that steadfastness of God that we worship. It's his unchanging nature that is worthy of our worship. And so we plant our seeds in the hopes that the harvest someday will be something richer than what we have planted. And that is worth worshiping. And that is worth, quite frankly, giving money to. And it all comes back around. It all comes back around to God and to his sovereignty and all, all that he is and all that is worth worshiping and worth investing in for the future. The object of our worship is not going anywhere as long as we are worshiping God and nothing else. God is going to be in the future even though we are not, even though this building may not. Yet we can scatter the seeds of joy today that will, through God's grace, be transformed into something beyond our greatest imaginations. How blessed are we to have what we have. This beautiful and well-maintained space. These fresh flowers, the glorious piano and organ, and the gifts of Sandy who plays them, the soft glow of the candles, our finely etched wood. All of these things are so awesome, and we are so lucky that they are a part of our lives as a worshiping body, and they help us draw into a space of closer communion with God. And how blessed are we that generation upon generation faithfully scattered their seeds of joy for more than 90 years in this place. So my friends, worship is not about us, but it's about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who takes our scattered seeds and will cultivate them into a vibrant community of fellowship, a family of faith, a body of service, and a kingdom of joy. Amen.